Well, let me now invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. <clears throat> we are in our third week of addressing the topic of submission, something we are all eager to discuss. Amen? <laughs> the verse that began this section on submission is 1 Peter 2, verse 13. Just look at that with me real quick here. It says this, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Peter leaves no level of authority out here. We are called to submit, be subject for the Lord's sake to every single human institution. A couple weeks ago, we, we mentioned a little bit about governing authorities. You know, we don't get to decide whether or not we will submit based on the character of a leader. Even if the government is corrupt, we are still called to submit. Whether the leaders are good or bad, as long as they are not calling us to sin, we are called to submit to every human authority. Last week we addressed the topic of servants and slaves and the call for them to submit. submit. We, we spent the majority of our time talking about what, the, what it means to endure suffering. We are called to endure suffering even if that suffering is unjust. There's not a way out of this. We discussed the fact that there is no benefit of suffering because of your own sin, though. When you suffer unjustly and you endure, this is a gracious thing in the eyes of God. It is something that he approves of. And the reason why we can suffer well in those circumstances is because that is exactly what Jesus endured. He suffered deeply while he was on the earth, being brutally treated on his way to the cross, taking upon his own flesh what should have been left for us. So when we remember the cross, it helps us to suffer as Christ suffered. Today we are going to talk about something I know the wives in the room will be so excited about it is the call for wives to submit to their husbands. Now, we live in a messed up world. I think we all clearly understand that. We live in a world that is trying to eliminate the terms male and female and put everyone in the same boat as equal and the same. This completely goes against Scripture. But let me ask you, church, just for clarity's sake, are males and females equal before God? Absolutely. Not a trick question. We are absolutely equal before God. But are we the same? Absolutely not. As a church, we hold to a complementarian view. What does that mean? It means that men and women are equal in value, yet we are distinct in roles. Each of us, male and female, are created in the image of God. We are equal in value, but we are distinct in roles. Man is not more valuable than woman, and woman is not more valuable than man. Yet we are called to carry out different functions in the context of marriage. And in this text, wives are called to submit to their husbands 
And husbands are called to live with their wives in an understanding way. Here's a very simple title this morning. Submission and understanding in biblical marriage. Submission and understanding in biblical marriage. So let's look at our text together this morning. Follow with me as I read 1 Peter 3, starting in verse 1. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the the start this morning, just as we sang, being reminded of, Lord, all glory be to Christ. Apart from Jesus, we would have no hope. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love, but thank you that those who have truly repented of their sin and placed their faith in Christ, you will never leave us or forsake us. All glory be to Christ. And Lord, this morning as we discuss a very hard topic, a very challenging topic because we live in a sinful world, Lord, I ask for your mercies. I ask that you would, especially for the wives in the room, Lord, just give a deep understanding of humility towards what God has called them to do. And Lord, I know there are some in this room who are not in the best of circumstances, some who are married to unbelievers, some maybe who are married to those who profess Christ but are not doing the role that God has called them to do very well at all. And in those cases, Lord, I ask for much grace. I ask that you would take away any, any ungodly excuses that they may have for, for not submitting, and I pray that you would do a work in their hearts. Father, I pray for the husbands in the room, Lord, that we would grow in living in an understanding way with our wives, that we would honor them, Lord, that, we, that our prayers may not be hindered, and Father, God, keep us as husbands and wives from pointing to the other person and what they need to do. And Lord, let us focus on our own hearts and what you are calling us to do in our role. And for the rest of those, Lord, the the singles who are here who maybe desire to be married, Lord, would you do a work of just preparing their hearts? And those who have no desire to be married or have broken marriages, who, who look down maybe on marriage because of the way they were treated, I pray, God, that you would give them extra grace. 
I pray that you would give them a heart to pray for the marriages in this room, Lord, as marriage is a big deal in your eyes. Marriage is the one picture that we give the world of the love between Christ and the church. And so, God, give us humility, give us mercy, give us grace, and God, change us in the way that we need to be changed. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, the word submission gets a bad rap in our world, and some in fact, some may want to call the term archaic and obsolete. This is not something we have to deal with anymore. In marriage, especially, people want to do away with it, saying that that's for ancient times. We've progressed out of that, right? But I do, do believe strongly that God's word has a different message for us than that. In fact, biblical submission is one of the greatest evangelistic tools in a marriage where the husband is an unbeliever and the wife is a believer. So let's break down these verses. Look at that first word. At least in the ESV, it says, likewise. Now, what does it mean, likewise? It's referring back to something that was previously mentioned. And what was previously mentioned? Well, it was Peter talking about slaves and Servants submitting to their masters. So is this referring to the fact that women are slaves to their husbands? Well, no, that's not the case. This is just referring to the whole call that there should be, we should be subject to every human institution, every human authority. And so for marriage, God has declared the man to be the leader, and therefore the woman is called to submit to her husband. So what does it mean for a wife to submit to their husbands? Let's, let's talk a little bit about that and talk a little bit about what it isn't. Verse 1 again says this. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. Here's, here's the first thing. Submit to your own husband. This is not a call for every wife in the room to submit to every other husband. This is a call to you. This is strictly for marriage. One marriage. The wife submits to her own husband, not to a husband across the, across the way, not to another husband in the church. This is a submission to your own husband. Uh, we see nowhere in Scripture that a woman can't be overseeing a man in the workforce. If you work at a factory and there's a woman over a man, that, that's okay. There's, there's nowhere in Scripture do we see that that is not allowed. But in the home... The wife is called to submit to her, her own husband. There is clear leadership that God has given. Here's something that submission is not. Submission doesn't mean you agree on everything. Verse 1, again, be subject to your own husband so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. I mean, just take, for instance, the situation here that Peter brings up. Some women were married to men who did not believe. Now, first of all, this is referring to Christian husbands. Is it referring to Christian husbands who sin? And so sometimes they're not obeying, they're believers, but sometimes they're not following God's ways completely. Or is this referring to unbelievers? Well, let's just look back a little bit in context here. Chapter 2, verses 7 and 8 says this, So the honor is for you who believe, 
But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumbled because they disobeyed the word as they were destined to do. So, so this understanding of husbands who do not believe, this is not husbands who are believers who just then obey sometimes. This is referring to unbelievers. So the very fact that you are married to an unbeliever means there are some things that you don't agree upon. As a believing wife, you believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. You believe that only through faith and repentance, only repentance of sin and faith in Christ will save you. The husband doesn't see it that way. And so submission doesn't mean that you agree on everything. In our, in our house, I agree that Taco Bell is totally fine to have. My wife disagrees with me. I don't know why. <laughs> Submission does not mean that you agree on everything. Here's another thing that submission is not. Submission does not mean you can't speak up. Now, it does say in here, and you may disagree with me, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. So you may say, Ben, well, what do you mean that I, I, I can speak up? The word says I should be silent that they may be one. This clearly, in my understanding of Scripture, doesn't mean she is silent all the time. Plus, how could the husband be one? What does it mean by be one? It means come to Christ. How can a husband be one to Christ without hearing the gospel? Romans 10, turn with me there. Romans 10, verses 14 and 15. Romans 10, 14 and 15. Listen to what the word of God says here by the Apostle Paul. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching, someone proclaiming? And how are they to preach unless they are sent, as is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. In order to be one to the gospel, you've got to proclaim the gospel. In order to proclaim the gospel, we use our words to do that. So clearly, what it doesn't mean here is that you women, you're completely silent. You have no words to say in the marriage. That, that, I mean, what marriage thrives without communication? <laughs> so clearly, this, is, this does not mean, women, that you are not allowed to speak up. And, and men, husbands, let me just say this to you. You're a fool if you aren't seeking the counsel of your wife. It is good that I have a wife that says, Ben, you probably shouldn't eat McDonald's every day. It's probably good that my wife doesn't like Taco Bell, so we don't get that often. Uh, it, it is good to be married, to have someone to say, look, you're, you're stepping in a way that is dangerous. That, that's, if, you're, if your husband is walking in sin and he claims to be Christ, as women, you should be encouraging your husband to Jesus Christ. What Peter is getting at here in winning your husband over by your conduct without a word, he's saying, don't be a nagging wife. Don't browbeat your husband for how he is failing as a leader. 
Don't browbeat your husband, especially if he's an unbeliever, to drag him to church. Can you ask him to come? Absolutely. But we need to, you need to remember that you cannot save your husband. In fact, wives, could I just be kind enough to say to you, you are a horrible savior. He doesn't need another one. He needs Jesus, and he needs to see Jesus through you. Don't be a nagging wife who beats down her husband with her words. Let me just give you a few passages of Scripture that speak to this. Proverbs 27, 15, and 16. A continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. To restrain her is to restrain the wind or to grasp oil in one's right hand. Can you restrain the wind with your hands? No. Can you hold oil in your hand for long without it leaking out? No. And listen, I don't know about you, like, we have this leaky faucet where we're going to get to my struggles of, I should have replaced this a long time ago because I should be living with my wife in an understanding way. We have this leaky faucet where if you don't turn it off, just the handle, it doesn't have to be all the way down. It's got to be in the right place. Anybody else have that problem? And if you leave it like that, it's got that. And it is annoying. The same thing is true. This is what the scripture is saying for a wife who just continually nags and beats down her husband with her words. Who 20 seconds after asking him to do something, he doesn't do it, bringing it up again. Men, we should do better at times. Being quicker, we'll get to you. Here's what Proverbs 21, 19 says about it. It is better to live in a desert land <laughs> than a quarrelsome and fretful woman. Imagine that. I don't know about it. I hate the heat. But he's saying, look, it is better to be out in the sand with the heat beating down on you than to live with a quarrelsome, nagging wife. Listen, wives, you have a voice to bring life to your husband. Don't use it for nagging and to quarrel. Instead, use it to support your God-given leader. Submit to your husband, John Piper defines biblical submission like this. It's the divine calling of a wife to honor and affirm her husband's leadership under Christ's and to help carry it through according to her gifts. Wives, God has declared the husband to be the leader in the family, whether he is a believer or not. And you are called to do your best to help him thrive in that role using your God-given gifts. So wives, let me ask you, how are you doing in submitting to your husbands? Now Peter does address here, as I already mentioned, how wives are to live with their unbelieving husbands. So this is this is a, a next level, but make no mistake here, all the women in the room can take note of what he says. So we've read verse 1, submit to your own husbands, so even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. Verse 2, when they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. 
But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. First of all, what would be the desired outcome of a marriage between a believing wife and an unbelieving husband? What could be the greatest outcome? The greatest desire in that wife should be that her husband would come to Jesus. That's the main thing. There's no greater thing than to see your husband become a worshiper of God. So you see why nagging must be done away with. And this is, listen, if you find yourself in that position, my heart goes out to you. To not be able to share the greatest joy in your life, I cannot imagine. And my prayer for you is that your love for Jesus would overflow so much that you would be continually heartbroken for your husband that would lead you to treat him far differently than we could ever imagine. That you would love him as, as Christ loved you when you were yet a sinner separated from him. Wives, watch the conduct of your lives. Let it be respectful and pure. The Greek word for respectful means fear. Now we have to ask ourselves a question. Does this mean wives should fear their husbands? Is, it, is, it, does it, is this referring to the way she responds to him? Well, you only need to read further on to know that that is not the case. Look at verse 6 of chapter 3. Just look at the last part of that. It says this, and, and you are her children, referring to Sarah. We'll talk about that in a little bit. If you do good and do not fear anything, that is frightening. <laughs> Listen, it is a frightening thing. I, when I think of this role, I feel most sorry for women because I know what I can be like as a husband. It's a frightening thing to have to submit to somebody who is a, another sinner. But Peter's saying, don't be afraid of that. So certainly when it comes to seeing your respectful behavior, it would be how you fear the Lord. It's how you love God. It's not about fearing your husband. It's about how your respectful attitude towards the Lord is you want to honor him in everything that you do. So even if, if your husband comes to you and asks you to do something that goes against your conscience before God, then you lovingly say, I love you and, and you are my leader, but I cannot do this because of my allegiance to Christ. You see a different way of saying, heck no, I'm not going to do that. You see the difference between those two ways of responding. You are my God-given leader, and I love you, but I can't submit to that. Because you're not afraid. Because you know, ultimately, who are you called to submit to? Verse 13 says, submit for the Lord's sake, not for your husband's sake. Although ultimately, we pray that through that, they may come to Christ. You are to let your fear of God be seen in your pure conduct. So wives, how are you known by your husbands? Are you known for being nagging or are you known for your respectful, your fear of God and your pure conduct? Peter then moves on here to something else wives should be known for. It's this, wives, be known for the beauty of your heart. Be known for the beauty of your heart. Verse 3, do not let your adorning be external. Do not let your beauty, 
the thing that you cherish most be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. You know, we, we, we live in a world where people are obsessed with the way they look. Listen to just some of these statistics. These are, these are mind-boggling. Every year, $49 billion is spent on cosmetic products in the U.S. That comes to be about at, at over $250 that every American spends a month on cosmetics. Worldwide, that amount of money spent on cosmetic products in a year is over $570 billion. In the year 2020, $16.7 billion was spent on cosmetic procedures, so some kind of surgery in cosmetics. These are massive amounts of money. But let's clarify something here because we can go off the edge here. I am not saying there is no place for makeup or jewelry or nice clothes, and neither do I think Peter says that. Peter doesn't mean that you can't make yourself look nice. Very simply put, look at verse 3 again. This is, this is why I don't believe he's saying, just make your hair crazy. <laughs> he's not saying you can't look nice. Look, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry. He's not saying, look, don't make your hair look nice. He's not saying you can't wear jewelry, because then if that's the case, look at the last phrase, <laughs> or the clothing you wear. So clearly Peter's not saying walk around naked. All right, your husband might like that, but that's not what it says here. So this is not about you can never do that. What Peter is trying to say is like this cannot be your identity. This can't be what you put all of your focus and your attention on. Don't get yourself to a place, ladies, where you have to look in every mirror that you pass by. Don't let this be something that you are trying to gain the attention of someone else. Now listen, I, I take care of yourself, ladies, for your husband's sake. But that can't be your obsession. And, and I see this play out in the dating world where women will do whatever they can and they'll expose things that they should not expose in order to get to the attention of the guys that they don't want the attention of. So ladies, if you are single, don't let the adorning, don't let the attraction to others be what you look like. Let the attraction be your heart. Men, this should grab your attention as well. For those of you desiring a wife, what is your focus on? Are you concerned about what the outward appearance is? Listen, many people I've seen get themselves caught up in physical attraction when they're not believers, and they are, the other person is not a believer, and they are, and they find themselves in a place where they end up marrying them, and they put themselves in a place where they are unequally yoked, and the greatest treasure that they have is not the greatest treasure of their spouse. We must, ladies, dress in such a way that draws attention to your heart, not to your physical bodies. Let them be won over by you because of your inner beauty. For this is what the women of old did. Read verse 5 again. 
For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. What was their beauty? It wasn't like they got themselves all done up. It was like, we're going to focus on our hearts. We're going to pursue the Lord. We're going to ask him to change us so that we are loving. We are supporting our husbands in the hard role that God has called them to. Verse 6, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. There is true beauty in submitting to your husband. Now, I, I imagine that some of these words might be quite frightening, shocking. Sarah called Abraham Lord. Certainly, <laughs> you're not going to see action step of ladies call your husband Lord. But let's just ponder that for a moment. Do you know there's one recorded time in the Bible where Abraham is called Lord by Sarah. Do you know when it happened? Turn to Genesis 18. Genesis 18, very first book of the Bible. Only one instance do we see this happen, and it's kind of a very just happenstance. It's part of her language. Verse eight, uh, chapter 18, verse 9. They said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she is in the tent. So remember these three, they, the Lord came, appeared to, to Abraham, and the Lord said in verse 10, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Now, if you remember, Abraham, he's not a spring chicken, right? Neither is Sarah. Uh, the childbearing years are over with, at least they should be. And yet Abraham was promised a an offspring, and they tried to do things in their own hands, and it didn't work out very well. Goes on to say, and Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. And Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. That's referring to childbearing years. So Sarah laughed herself, saying, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? So this is a very kind of flippant thing, but this is the language. There was an understanding. They adorned themselves, not with beautiful things on the outside, but with submitting. And so Sarah willingly submitted to Abraham to the point of even calling her Lord. This by no means declares you to be weak, ladies. God doesn't desire women to just shut their mouths and stay at home and do what they're told. This is not what it's speaking of. This was an act of... This was not an act of weakness by Sarah. Rather, in a sense, it was an act of strength. 1 Peter 3, 6. You do good if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. In your submission, don't be afraid. God sees you. God understands your circumstances. God knows who your husband is. And he is not silent. He is not unaware. Do not fear anything, ladies. Trust the Lord. And listen, I know it is frightening to be called to submit to your own husband. Why do I know that? Because I am one. And I know how bad I lead sometimes. I feel sorry for Nikki that she has to deal with me. And your husband may act like, and I want you to have some compassion on your husbands. He may have the appearance of being strong, and I think that's culturally a fail if I'm honest. Don't just assume that your husband isn't scared to be the leader. 
It's a heavy weight to be called to love your wife as Christ loved the church, to lead her, to lead your kids, to have to provide for the family in a world where inflation is out of control, and to know your own inadequacies and to be weighed down by the world, to have to stuff those emotions because of maybe you had dad issues growing up. Praise God, I had a good dad. I'm not, I'm not declaring anything myself. But we're called as men to stuff our emotions. Do you know who, who commits suicide more, men or women? Men, three to five times more likely to commit suicide than a woman. So ladies, I'm not justifying any sinful actions your husbands have done to you leading, but have some compassion. Don't assume that you understand what they're thinking. Men, we got to do a better job of opening up and being honest. It is a weight to carry. And so use the giftings that God has given you to come under your husbands. Now, wives are probably like, can we be done? <laughs> we'll move on to the husbands now. Look at verse 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Here's the last point. Husbands, study your wives. Husbands, study your wives. The Greek word there for understanding, it means to be acquainted with. Get to know, understand your wife. Now, you may not say, I can't understand a woman for all it's worth. Let, let me just say this. That's a, that's a lie. Like, she may be complicated, but you're complicated too. Let's, can we just get that out of the way? Like, we're all complicated. Just tell the person next to you, especially your spouse, I'm complicated. Go ahead. We're all complicated. But listen, you can get to know your spouse. You can get to know what they appreciate. You can get to know what they love. And so men, let me ask you, what does she like? What are the things that she enjoys? What does she not like? I, I know not to bring her McDonald's, except if she's pregnant. She likes McFish for some reason. I don't know why. Where is she vulnerable? How can you make her feel loved? What makes her feel secure? What can you do that would let her know that you care for her? Guys, if I could just say this, generally speaking, I don't think we do great at this. Maybe, maybe that's just the way that I am. We've got to learn to study our wives to know how we can best look out for them, how we can best care for them. Listen, if we don't know our wives well, we don't know how to care for them well. And listen, it's not just in the big ways. It's in the everyday little things. It's not just about remembering your anniversary or remembering her birthday. But guys, you better get that memorized and you better have that ready on your calendar to bless them, especially those days. But it's the everyday little things. For instance, Nikki loves a fresh grounded cup of coffee. Like she loves fresh grounded coffee and she loves it when somebody makes it for her. Is that too big of an ask? I don't think so. And so... Even this morning, I got up, I made a fresh pot of coffee, grounded it, and, and I put some in a, a mug that will keep it warm until she gets up. I get up at 5 in the morning usually on, on Sundays. She doesn't usually get up until about 7 or so. And so that's just a way that I can live with her in an understanding way. That's a way that she feels appreciated, a way that feels loved. Now, if Nikki is demanding that of me, that's another problem. But I'm living with her in an understanding way. I know she likes that. I hate shaving. 
I don't know if you know, but I don't have much hair up here. Listen, it grows still. And if it grows out, it looks terrible. And I hate shaving, but you know what? My wife loves my bald head. And so what am I going to do? I'm going to shave more than I would regularly want to do. Sometimes I let it go too long, but I want to live with her in an understanding way. That's a, a simple way. What are simple ways that you can love your wives? Live with her in an understanding way. What makes her feel secure? She feels secure when she sees me leading biblically. Listen, you may be married to somebody who's smarter than you, men, and you probably are. But this doesn't mean that you hand over the leadership to her. Listen, you might be as you might be as simple say, you know what, honey, you shared with me your devotion this morning. Do you mind just like helping our kids? You can start that conversation. Hey guys, you know what? Mom shared with me some awesome things that I wanted to share with you. Guess what? That's leadership. Leadership doesn't mean that you do all the talking, but it does mean that you are pushing the ball forward. There are things that Nikki is better at than me. It could also be like, hey, kids, are there any verses that God is speaking to you? You're not doing the talking. You're letting them do the talking. But guess what? You're leading. And I know from, from my wife, that makes her feel secure. It makes her feel loved. It makes her feel appreciated. So here's an assignment for you, men. This week, set up a date with your bride and ask her this question. How can I love you better? And then I, I want you to be ready to receive what she has to say. Now, let me, just, let me just say something here, all right? Wives, if he does this for you, don't open up the doors to bash him in every way that he's failing you. And don't treat him like, you know what, you're only doing this because Pastor Ben asked you to do. Remember, a, have a gentle and quiet spirit. But men, if your wife struggles with you because you've neglected her for years and you're coming to do this and she doesn't respond well, I want you to give grace to her. Listen, in this passage, we must keep our focus on what God is calling us to do individually. This passage, men, is not for you to go to your wives and say, submit. Wives, it's not for you to go and say, husbands, you don't understand me. Your focus, wives, should be, how do I need to grow in submitting to my husband? Husbands, your, your goal, your role, your, your part this week should be, you know what? How do I need to grow in living in understanding towards my wife? You have to, listen, marriages will not thrive if we keep pointing the finger back at one another. We've got to focus on our own hearts and what God is calling us to do individually. Back to the men. Live with your wives in an understanding way. Study them. The verse goes on. Show honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Now, we could look at this as different ways. I think clearly, this is generally speaking, who are stronger, men or women, physically? Men. And so there has to be this sense where men, you're called to be gentle too. There are, there are a few things that anger me more than abusive men to their husbands, or to their wives. What, you're a coward if that's you. And I pray that God brings repentance to you. Your wife is a weaker vessel. Care for her that way. She is precious in the eyes of the Lord, and you need to treat her appropriately so in light of that. Nikki is significantly weaker than I am. 
And so I need to watch it and be patient with her when we're trying to move a, a light couch, and it's heavy for her. <laughs> Some of you may know what that's like. She's physically weaker, and I am called to honor her. But there's another side of this that I think we need to understand. Who's in the more vulnerable position, the one who is called to submit or the one who is in leadership? I think to a certain level, you're weaker if you are called to submit because you're, you're, this battle of like, should I submit in this form or should I not? He's not really being godly here, but like, is this, is this a call for me to sin or is this a neutral thing and so I should submit? Like that makes you weaker in the sense that you are, you are under the leadership of someone else. And so, men, we've got to be aware and constantly be evaluating before the Lord, how is my leadership? Am I showing honor to her? Am I considering her better than myself? Listen, we can't leave out the rest of Scripture. There's actually a, a mutual call to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I believe that's Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Before wives submit to your husbands, where it says that there. We mutually submit to one another. We have to understand our wives are put in a difficult situation to submit to sinful men. Can we just acknowledge, man, that sometimes we can be clowns in our leadership? Sometimes we fail. And we've got to be humble in those moments to go and seek forgiveness and not just demand her to submit to you anyway. No, we've got to humble ourselves as Christ humbled himself and took the form, took on our sin and paid the price so that we might be made right with the Father. And men, you know what it's like to be under weak leadership. Certainly, maybe your dad or a boss that you've had. And listen, it is far easier to trash the leadership than it is to submit and come under in difficult circumstances where they're not leading the way you think they should lead. So just think, that's what your wife has to deal with sometimes. Treat her appropriately. Honor your wife. And husbands, if you find yourself lording it over your wives, demanding respect and submission, because that's what the Bible says. If you are leading in a harsh way, God is calling you to repentance today. After all, the scripture says, she is an heir with you of the grace of life. Brother, if you are a child of God that you claim to be that, and you are treating your wives that way, who have been bought with the precious blood of Christ... Repent. And listen, fellas, if we aren't fulfilling our duties as a husband, according to verse 7, there is a warning for us. Look what it says there. Live with your wives as an, in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. You find yourself in a mess this morning spiritually? Could it be, for those of you who are married, that you're, because you are not living with your life in an understanding way, you're not honoring her? Something to ponder. And if you find yourself in that place, repent, receive Christ's forgiveness, and repent to your wife as well, and seek her forgiveness. Let me ask you, church, does marriage matter? 
Does marriage matter? In Ephesians, it says that it is the picture of the love between Christ and the church. Here's, we're gonna, here's how we're going to finish. I'm going to invite Nick up. He's going to sing a song over us. Lord, I need you. That relates this morning. Every person who is married especially, we need Christ. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're by your wife and this is a comfortable place, maybe it's not comfortable or appropriate at this point, but I want you to put your arm around her, take her hand if you would, um, and then we're going to, Nick's going to lead through this song. We're gonna, I'm going to ask you to stand here in a moment, but you can do one of two things for those of you who are married. I'm not asking you to pray with your spouse. I want you to pray quietly to yourself. Men, wives, husbands, wives, pray quietly to yourself. If the Lord is revealing anything that you need to work on, or you're just praying over your marriage, perhaps you're in a great place in marriage, and I trust that some of you are. If you want to sing out, we still need God's grace every day, right? Because every day we are tempted to live out in the flesh. We need, we need God in our marriage because it is a picture to the world of the love between Christ and the church. So you can pray quietly or you can sing out loud. For those of you who are single, maybe you desire to be married. Maybe, maybe you, you've focused on your outward beauty and you're trying to attract men in a way that isn't honoring to the Lord. And you're not allowing them to see your heart. You want them to see your face, your, your body in whatever way would be ungodly. Maybe it's a, a chance for you to focus. Or maybe it's just a, Lord, give me the husband that will understand me help me to submit and be ready to do that because the longer you stay single right the harder it is to to come into a relationship then where you're living in mutual submission to one another it's hard and maybe you're just asking God to prepare and maybe some of you have been burned by marriage and you're like I hate marriage and you need to maybe realize that marriage is instituted by God and let's ask you to pray for the marriages in our family so Nick why don't you come up as I as I pray let me invite you to stand and we'll sing together here. Lord.